NCRP Productions presents the Fireside Chat Series. Well, good evening again. NCRP Productions presents what we've decided to call the Fireside Chat. I'm here again with Pedro. Hey, Pedro. Hey, hey, Barry. So tonight we thought maybe we would give you some game mastering tips or, or possibly on the other side of it, uh, the mistakes that we've made over time. Um, where do we want to start? Uh, Gosh, mistakes. I mean, I, I, I have plenty of mistakes probably. I, I've, <laughs> ha- I've had plenty too. Uh, usually the biggest one for me, at least as a starting point, is you sit down, you get the, the game set up, you get everything going, and you forget to figure out what you're going to have the players look at doing. So you say, okay, I'm running uh, – Oh God! It's especially it's especially important in licensed products. I say to myself, I'm going to run Stargate SG One. Eh, that's an easy one. Um, I'm going to run Babylon Five. Which, by the way, if you've ever seen the role playing game, it's actually Babylon Four that you're playing on. But <laughs> Babylon Five, and I never really think about what the characters are going to do. Um, you can do that sandbox thing where you where you open it up and and say, here's the world, go. But in most cases, I've noticed that players don't seem to follow any direction that you had in your mind and since you didn't give them a direction they're floundering yeah and especially especially if you have anybody new um like you you really need to give them a direction like but even experienced people are you know like okay what are we gonna do let's look over here looking for some like little hint of what to do um i I've tried to do the, the the open world. A lot of times, my open worlds don't end up panning out. Or okay, I should say I've done it a couple times and it hasn't panned out. I ran I ran Gamma World for many many years. Uh, after starting in '79 with D and D, I started running Gamma World in '80, and uh, the group that I was playing with was. I, I, I'd like to think they were really, really into the game, but the the group was willing to let me kind of do anything. So Gamma World, if you don't know, it is a TSR production. It it, uh, it came after Metamorphosis Alpha. The idea with Metamorphosis Alpha is it was a spaceship that got knocked off course, and the it has been knocked off course for a couple thousand years, and things have changed inside. There's mutant humans, there's mutant animals, there's mutant plants. Um, couldn't play a mutant plant in Metamorphosis South. I don't know why. Um, and then a bunch of other things. And uh, Jim Ward has done a redo with it with Goodman Games. So Metamorphosis Alpha is back in, in its original form. Um, but Gamma World came afterwards, and uh, again, Jim Ward. And this time it's on planet. And the year is 2471. We've just come out of 100 years of Dark War. And they never describe what the... Uh, what the apocalypse was that we came out of, but we know that that hundred years of darkness as we're coming out, everything has changed. And on that one, you can play a mutant plant, but you got mutant animals, mutant uh, mutant humans, pure strain humans, and that's really the sandbox one that has worked for me. Um, we went into space, uh, then we came back to from space back to Earth. I had a, a huge. I stole from every single game out there, but I <laughs> I had a huge star-spanning game, and then uh, in '92, in '92 I brought it back to Earth and started playing pretty pretty hardcore there, and I just kind of said, "Hey guys, go!" But what I had was I had a, a really wonderful player. He's he's passed since, but Kyle Gerard was willing to kind of grab the players, drag them along, and 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 make a move towards something, and 
in a sandbox, I, I, I feel like if you don't give them direction, you're going to be stuck having one player uh, lead them or else you're not going to have anything. How come the sandboxes didn't work for you? So, let me see here. I, you know, I guess maybe not working now that I'm, I'm kind of rethinking of it as you were talking. I, I don't think I've run many that actually went anywhere. I think every time... The problem with me is I think I start games with people that just don't finish them. Or just, like, something always comes up. or Oh, they, dear. They just fall apart. And, uh, you know, that's on me for, you know, sticking with the same group. Um, but, you know, when we, 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 when we do then it does work out pretty nicely while we're actually playing. Now, I'm thinking about it, I actually remember the one game that did work well, uh, and it was a Dungeon World game. And so I, just most dumb premise, but I, I got my friends together, and I was like, okay, so you guys, you know, you come together. They bonded, you know, without going into graphic detail because it was stupid ridiculous, they bonded over this teddy bear. And so they, my, my two friends, um, actually my three friends, one of them played a thief who just kind of like stumbled in on them. Uh, but two of them had spent like a night of debauchery together and they had this like teddy bear that was involved for some reason to what I don't remember. Oh dear God. Do we need to mature audiences this uh, thing? That's why I'm not going into great detail. Okay. So, um, but no, it <laughs> was warned. the night of debauchery up on the town. And then I With was like, teddy bear. yeah. And then, uh, well, the teddy bear was a part of it, not the center of it i should say okay um so then i i was running the dungeon world and they have these really neat mechanics in dungeon world on like deciding who the villain is what they're for and so then i rolled you know uh, it was an orc and essentially they wake up to these orcs you know kicking them in the face stealing the teddy bear and then they were like and one of them was a paladin so he's like i swear an oath to find that man and get revenge for the teddy bear you know find their teddy bear or whatever so then they head into these these woods in the t this temple in the woods. Okay, boom, they find it. You know, pretty fun. And I was going really ridiculous with this. Uh, there is a show, Workaholics. I made this dungeon as if in this fantasy world, these three guys from a show who are just like slackers or whatever. They were immortal, so they would just go off and party. They would throw parties there. I mean, all kinds of little funny things. But where it kind of picked up the real like open world part was is they found this. Um, this like sort of trap down at the bottom of the temple so at the bottom temple there's a book and in the actual dungeon world there's a book that has the quote answer to everything uh, but the problem is, is you have to roll and it's like it's got an incredible index but you still have to look through it and all that so okay. I, and so but i designed it to where this book was sitting on a pedestal and there is all these little rings and there's some light coming up from the rings the farther you go into the rings, the more you age. For an immortal, no problem. You're immortal, so you can go pick up the book or whatnot. So these guys would go forward. Oh, shoot, you know, now I'm an old man. Go back. I'm now a kid, and, you know, I'm young again. And there was actually even somebody halfway in between a few of them, so he had, his head was dead because it was too old. Oh, jeez. And so they end up pulling him out of it, and he's just, he's like a party. You're like, oh, what's up, guys? What what happened? Where Where's everybody's the party? What's going on? Um, so then they, they keep trying. So they, I swear they spent like an hour trying to get that book. Cause like, we want that, you know, shooting arrows at them that would disintegrate, you know, trying to get as close as possible without dying themselves. I think one of them actually did die and have to get pulled out. Um, and so, but eventually, and I forget what it was. I think they threw a rock at it because, you know, a rock would, you know, stay around for a while. But anyway, they eventually got it. But then what they didn't realize is that when that, spell ended whatever age they were at that's where they were 
So I had one guy who stayed at the very edge who was like actually younger than when he started. Oh, there wow. was the okay. paladin, which was actually really funny. He turned into an old man. So he's this old man in plate mail and all this stuff. But Dungeon World is a little weird in that it specifically states, as a paladin, you know, armor, all that stuff. It doesn't encumber you at all. So there's this old, like, 80-year-old man in this plate mail, like, just going through life. And so they're like, well, crap. We got to find out how to reverse this. And this is where the open world comes in. So they're like, well, let's ask the book. And they're like, well, we need something. They're like, well, where's the fountain of youth? And so they, they, they make the roll and they find it and they're like, okay, well, let's go find the Fountain of Youth. It was at the bottom of this giant trench that I had put in a world, like 500 feet down. And then they have to go to where – I had it to where the water kind of goes into the earth. And then I was like, well, where's someone ridiculous they couldn't possibly even get to or where they wouldn't try? And I was like, yeah, at the bottom of this giant ravine 500 feet down and then in this black hole that goes into the water – and they look and they're like, okay, so how are we going to get in there? And I'm like, are you kidding? Stop. You're not going to get What are you going to do? So one guy is like, I get it. I know what I have to do. Just a leap of faith. And for some reason, he think, he thought that just laying backwards and falling into the water and just letting fate happen would help him. It did not. I was like, you take, <laughs> you, you're gone for a little while. You, you die. So we'll have your moment later. And the other guy was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to climb down it. And I proceeded to be like, okay, make me like 20 rolls because it was a... Like, 500 feet? Yeah. So not so this was the first. They climbed 500 feet down. And then they had to, he had to climb down another like four or 500 feet into this dark abyss to where they eventually did find the, um, the Fountain of Youth. But the one guy died who just dropped back. And the other guy, I think at that point, had kind of like stopped playing because he... And he quit. <laughs> um, but then he gets down there. They have a moment of like, okay... You know, hey, I'm dying. My character is dying. You need to continue. You Here, take these. And for some reason, they were like, yeah, we could use some of it for us, and then we can bottle it up and sell it to other people. And so, yeah, so that's what they did. He went and used some of it for himself, put it in a bunch of bottles, and then before it fell apart, they were going to go take to the queen. Oh, my God. But, it, I mean, it just, it, it was ridiculous. Off the rails, uh, and that was the only successful one. And I don't really, I haven't really tried to do an open world one. I'm actually working on one right now. Okay. That I'm hoping pans out. And do you do you want to tell us what, what it is, or are you going to keep that secret for a little while? I'll keep it secret for a little while. I'm fleshing okay. it out. It's the first time I'm really super delving into a world I'm creating, so I'm hoping to make something of it eventually, but, you know, that takes time. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think in order for those to not fail, you have to have the right kind of people playing, right kind of players, and you just have to be up for real big improv absolutely i mean how did you I mean how did you handle all the weird stuff people threw at you you know to be honest with you and oh side note you may be hearing uh, a clinking ice i found shoju for the first time and mm. we've mixed it with the uh, cherry pepsi and we're drinking it as we talk so it, just good. be aware of the noise yeah it is excellent um so i have i've lucked out over my my larger games anything that runs more than a couple of days has someone in it that's going to drive the players. And so I, uh, the monkey business happens, but generally it gets overridden by that one person that's strong enough to drag them along. Um, I, you know, I'm going back. I'm going to say that, that Game Master tip number one from us, I'm going to change it. I think it's going to be, just have to think in these terms, no plan survives the party. No, no, Nothing, no. Nothing you plan. 
ever survives what it what they're going to do to it how they're going to twist it up I, I i think i said this in the last fireside chat but if, if i give the players straight ahead left and right they will invariably grab a shovel and dig into the ground mm-hmm. um so if if you're not running an open world then you're running some kind of a programmed adventure and, and i don't do a lot of that i've i've never done a lot of that when yeah, I'm old. When I started gaming, uh, there really weren't a lot of programmed adventures. Tunnels and Trolls had their um, solo adventures, and they, they didn't really interest me. Not that there was anything wrong with them, but they didn't interest me. Interest me. Um, we had the monochrome-covered uh, modules for D&D, and again, same thing. You know, they were 16 pages, and they pretty much were what you would look at as a video game in the mid-80s. You know, go into this room, you know, kill the people living there, steal their stuff, and, you know, keep moving forward with that. That hasn't changed very much. Really? New <laughs> modules basically have that yeah, now, or the players haven't changed? I think, actually, you know what, maybe it's not the pl- it's the players who haven't changed, I think. Because right. they, they have that, a lot of that. They try, but honestly, a lot of the games devolve into, we should kill these people pick their stuff and we'll ask questions. Right. So so game master tip 2 is is not an easy one to follow but tip 2 for me would be pick good players or or pick one strong player, somebody that's going to drag you along so that when the group starts really slowing down and bogging down with nothing to do and it doesn't have to be a leader. Um, there's a Star Wars game, and I strongly suspect that other people that were in this game with me would uh, disagree, but I feel like Good or bad, and I'm mostly saying bad, my character was the driving force. I had a character in there. It was a squib, the little little furry rabbit creatures that you've mm. seen on Star Wars comic issue number seven from Marvel. And the, the creatures have basically a, a pack rat type attitude. Anything they touch is theirs, and it becomes theirs, and they love on it and rub on it and all of that. But more than anything else for me, I was running an inquisitive version of the squib, and we would go do things, and if it started getting slow, if the game master wasn't pulling us forward or the players weren't pulling forward, my character was gone. I would steal stuff. I would break things. I would start fights. Uh, you know, and I'm a little teeny guy, maybe three, three and a half feet tall. I can't tell you for sure. How my reputation was such, or the game master was pissed off at me enough, <laughs> that we landed on a world. And we got ushered in to a, a room, and each of us walked through, and I've got my air quote fingers up, a, a security field. Well, my security field was actually in a... <laughs> sorry, don't drop that. Uh, my security field was a repulsor ray that splatted me to the ground and held me there with a 1,000 pounds of force so I literally couldn't get up. I could barely breathe. And they left me there while the rest of the game was run by everyone else but me. When the group was done, they didn't seem to care to come get me. When the group was done, they released the repulsor field on me and told me, get on the ship. So that, that, was, that was the game master saying, okay, maybe you're not the leader. As I said, I probably wasn't the leader. <laughs> and, and he was trying to run a game that didn't need quite, quite as much attention as I was giving it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think a second tip would be to, to have somebody... It doesn't even have to be somebody that understands the game. It just has to be somebody that's going to pull people along for better or for worse. Yeah, and I think I think it needs to be, one you really do need to do if you don't do a session 0, which I always I, I recommend session 0s, although I will say I 
for my group, I haven't done many for the like couple close friends because they they're just always like, yeah, sure, let's just play. Like, well, we, give but, me give me an example of a session mm-hmm. zero because I I don't know that I've ever done that. What is so, a session zero? So session zero would be. It's kind of what we would combine, like, doing character generation. So the idea is is you come together, and it, the idea is you aren't necessarily going to play that night. You are going to all come together. You won. It, it's a time for one character creation. So everybody can kind of come together, and you can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. You know, right now in COVID time, they'd be done, like, over online. You know, hey, I want to play a rogue. I want to play a paladin. You know, uh, if two people, that's when you figure out, oh, well, you both want to play rogues. Are we going to be able to work with that? How do, you figure out what your party is so you can have some cohesion. So you're not, everyone's not making it in a vacuum. You come together with four fighters. But the other thing is, and it's a, it's a good time to lay out one, the expectation of the GM, like what kind of story they want to run. What kind of story? What kind of story they had in mind? Um, what kind of characters would work for it? So you know, if you're running, you know, a sea adventure, you know, a forest druid would not necessarily be the best thing. So it's <laughs> kind of where you can kind of say what you want to do. Uh, it's a good time to kind of talk to your players and ask, like, hey, is there, you know, is there anything? The one that I did last, uh, you know, hey, is there anything that you guys absolutely do not want to see in this game? You know, I will usually lay out the the big ones that I don't handle. You know, the you know the big topics that I don't ever put in, um, and then you know ask like, well, is there anything specific, anything particular you guys don't want to be in? I'll lay out what I don't want to put in, um, and then you know, is there anything specific? Like the last one I did, somebody had a you know a couple of very specific things that they were like, you know, I don't really, I'm not too comfortable with that, and I'm like, perfect, and I don't need to put that in. Luckily, they weren't things I was gonna put in anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, it, it's a time to kind of just check with your players and then that way you can tell like one is this are you both having the same expectations so like you know do you guys want to play in this world does this world sound fun does the story sound fun or are you guys looking for something else because like like an example from my my gaming past uh, i i ran a power rangers game i loved this this setting it was cool because i created this whole thing like everybody at the table was super big power rangers fan uh, I went in and created uh, not only a whole post-apocalyptic Power Rangers world, but designed this whole backstory of like a war with all the Power Rangers and all this stuff. I spent a lot of time on this. Uh, and then if I had been smart at the time and done a session zero, I would have been able to gauge what kind of players. So finding out like, oh, are you more story driven? Do you like combat? Just what kind of players are? Because there was a player who didn't want as much story as everybody else it's power rangers you had to expect they were all looking for combat yeah yeah no but and so i thought that uh, but see here's the thing everybody else besides this one person was eating up the story because they were all like storytellers too so i had i felt like a decent amount of combat and then i also tried to throw in story because i played games and this this was even earlier earlier on i played a game where like my first concept really was like Dungeon room fight, dungeon room fight, dungeon room fight. And, you know, when you're younger, you like that. But then as you get older and people, you know, I had in that game specifically, they were like, well, maybe a little bit too much combat. And I'm like, okay, cool. But this one player, and I had never heard anybody say this, he said, you know, I wish there was less story and more combat. Oh, God. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't fathom it. But then at that time, I didn't realize that there were just different players. You know, some players really wanted that combat. Um, and so at the time, it like it graded on me a little bit because you know they weren't they weren't engaged, and I was like, well, 
you know, like, how how could you not want story? How could you not want this? And it was just me not realizing, like, oh, some people actually just want combat after combat after combat. So if I had a session zero, I would have found that out and, you know, maybe upped my combat, made things a little shorter, you know, done all this. But it ended up kind of falling apart after that. Not, ne- not necessarily because of that person, but, you know, a couple of other factors. There's some people that couldn't come back. So for a Power Rangers game, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure other people are thinking the same thing as me. What system did you use? So, <laughs> the system I found at the time, oh God, what was it called? I would need to look it up, but it was this, this system that I found, and to be honest, I don't know if it was ever published or somebody made it online, but it actually worked really good. It was a system specifically for uh, the like Power Rangers genre and, and Magical Girl genre, like, uh, like Sailor Moon. Okay. So it was for that, you know, all about teamwork, friendship, you know, like working together. There was a whole kind of mechanic with like hero like hero points and like you had to work together to defeat the villains just like in the show. So you couldn't just like punch them down to 0 HP. You had to whittle them down and then in order to kill them, you had to use a certain number of hero points. So if you didn't have them by the end of the fight, you had to like, you know, use your hindrances and everything and get them. Work as a team make a combined attack and finish them off, just like in the show. Any episode, you know, at the end, they come together. Zords. And yeah. And then, you know, uh, they actually, what sucks is they didn't even make it to Zords. I had this whole thing where they started off, you know, as regular humans in this world, and actually some of them were playing aliens and without delving too far into it. Uh, and then they got these, like, ninja powers, which I don't know how familiar you are with Power, Power Rangers. Yeah. I, I, I've yeah. got a son. So, yeah. So, you know, they went to the ninja stage, and then they were all getting their morphers. Because I was like, okay, well, what morpher? Do, what color do you want? What, what era? I let them pick all that. And I designed. Oh, God. What era? Yeah. But, see, it was cool because a couple of them were like, well, we want Lightspeed Rescue. So what I did was is go – I created this – God Darn it, I have all these notes, and it's so neat to me, at least. So the city that Lightspeed Rescue was in, I created because at that that one, they were dealing with demons, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, the Demon Queen had attacked there during the war and had taken over. So now the Demon Queen has taken over, but there's still humans there. They live in the metro. So I created this... I created this whole little metro system, this community that had all these problems that they were going to be able to fix. And if they fixed enough before the war came, this little micro war, they would have had a better chance against the demons. But then further, the base, the light speed base, I created this whole base, this whole horror module where they were going to go in there, realize that when um, the, I forget, I don't remember the names, but the pink and the silver ranger's dad in the show was the leader of the Lightspeed Rescue. He, at the very end of the war, was like, we are losing. I need to pull back my people, including my kids who are fighting. He tricked them there, knocked them out, put them in cryo, essentially, and was like, this is the last bastion of our knowledge, of our modern world, because everything is falling apart. So he basically turned himself into an AI, kept all the recorded knowledge, but what he did not realize is that a demon made it past and then proceeded to screw everything up. Made possessed people, tensions high, so this whole place got run over and everybody died. He deactivated the shield on a nuclear reactor, killed everybody there. So they had this whole horror module and it was great. They never even 
got to it. This 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 all happened before the players started the game. This yeah, I created. This is all history. Yeah, this is all okay. stuff that I created. And then they were gonna go find it, and they made it to the town. They actually did a couple missions in town, and then it ended before they even got to go into the horror section. And I would love to play more in that world at some point. But do you still have the notes? I still have the notes. I actually still have them on my Google Drive. So so yeah. I guess I guess a big question for the for our podcast listeners is. Let us know. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to see us do uh, or or see? Yeah, good job, Barry. Uh, do you guys want to hear us uh, play in Pedro's Power Rangers world? I, I have the notes. If we, if you guys are interested, I mean, I have no problem. Some of it was geared specifically toward certain people, but it can all be worked around. I mean, so I'm gonna warn you. In my head, I'm already thinking you you're allowing. Uh, um, the abilities from any show. So you're going to have, you know, three of us are going to be Lightspeed Rescue, and then somebody wants a, a Lion Zord, and somebody's going to have a Dino Zord, and we're never going to be able to put the thing together. Oh. So when we have to combine <laughs> to make the big thing, we're going to be like, who's who's a foot? Well, I was yeah. a foot. I'm also a foot. It's going to, it would be a must. I, and I, I will admit, I didn't even go that far yet. I was, I, I was like, we'll, we'll get them their morphers, and then we'll go from there. But I was, it'll fit. They'll work. Someone will be the leg. You'll right. have to deal. And I'll tell somebody to deal. <laughs> and am I, and I'm, yeah. am, am I remembering right? Some of them, the morphers did like two things. Like it was bike and it was a Zord call. Is that is that right? Yeah. They, there's so <laughs> many different ones. And like some of the morphers, I feel like some of them were even weapons too. Like The, the morphers themselves Yeah. Were. I okay. feel like God, there's, so, there's so much to those shows. And I, I loved them growing up. Okay. So, but, so a quiet thing, I will, I will let you know. And shh, no one else passes around. I have the first eight seasons of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on oh, DVD. Um, I, you know, my son, uh, when he was younger, got to playing with, uh, um, or got to got to watching Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, and mm-hmm. I watched it with him. And I can't tell you why, but it, it really struck me. I really liked it. Lost Galaxy was good. Too. It was really that was good. a good one. And, and, and I found out having looked at all the episodes, I we didn't see all the episodes. And then there was a another one that was after it. I can't tell you how far, um, and it was wild something or other. The the oh. the lead power Power Ranger in that one, I think he might have been green, but he was the lion, and they had the the uh, the uh, Zords were like a lion and an ape, and I, I want to say like a rhino or something like that. Yeah. But uh, those were the two. Uh, Oh, almost had it. Those were the two that uh, that that I liked, so that's why I ended up getting the DVD series. So someday, if we know this is coming, uh, again, if you guys want us to, to play this, I'll go back and watch, have a little bit of idea, so I can make the most res- ridiculous group of Zords. Hey, you pick this. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean the the world the world I created. I was uh, yeah. I would I would toot my own heart on that one. I was pretty proud of the the whole background. There was going to be a lot of like. A lot of I did I did a lot of research I, I even stuff that I did not remember I delved into all these different like all the different shows or, or the seasons that's it, all the different seasons I learned a lot about Lightspeed Rescue I had no idea about because as a kid I'm just like oh cool cars and fighting right. like, that was the main thing so None so so you're talking about research meaning watching TV. So, Actually, more wiki. I didn't have the time uh, okay. to watch as much because <laughs> I wanted to delve a lot into a lot of different random topics. So I just went to the Wikipedia, looked up, oh, who's this monster? Oh, who's the queen of demons? What's this about? You know, where can I fit them in? 
Um, I think I even had something for Lost because I feel like Lost Galaxy there was like a space station they lived in. They were they were uh, yeah, it, my, yeah my memory is is weak but I, I remember they were in something like a moving asteroid and that was like gonna the be, city had been picked up and placed there so that was going to be in my world too the in the world that never even got off of the thing yeah, <laughs> it, they were going to have to go through that as well. Well, so so if you're building a world, let's let's try doing tips because I feel like we failed so far at giving people any tips that <laughs> really were useful. How about tips on building a world? Oh God, that's what I'm going through right now, trying to think of all these different things. I think and a lot of the the research, and by that I mean looking at other YouTubers and like you know different podcasts for that. And I agree. I mean, start start small. You don't have to do a lot. I I'm an overthinker, so I'm like, well, well, how how does this work? Well, there can't be a river here. Let me look up how rivers work. You don't you don't need to know that. I mean, you can always if you really want to do something accurate to the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's a real world, I mean, you can always do fantasy or sci-fi. It doesn't it doesn't matter so much. And I think another thing for me is like really over over analyzing and over describing things because you know I, I for my own GMing I'm always concerned that I'm not giving enough information or that I need to be more descriptive or narrative when sometimes in order to describe a room all you really need to say is this is a noble's room he has you know you know if you say if you say oh this is a noble's room everybody kind of has an idea and then check sure. out the you know things like oh what are they gonna look for oh there's a chest over here. An armoire over there, you know, what are they going to want to loot? Right, right. Um, but for like world building, I mean, create a small town, fill it with people. What I what I usually do when I'm creating a, a starter village is I will look like, and if you don't know it ahead of time, I'll look well. What what basic jobs were needed for a town to flourish or a village to flourish? So so game master yeah. tip one for for building your world is lots and lots of research. I feel like we've lost everyone already. Yeah. But, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I do the same thing yeah. for the upcoming Unhallowed game. I'm researching uh, when were things invented, what kind of tech was moving, who owned what. Things like Germany wasn't Germany uh, at the time when the when the game starts. So there's not a Germany. There's Prussia and there's Austria, and they are different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, research research is a good piece, but I get that. The, the other side I will say to that is um, – the way I started, which don't do any research, just do something. Because if if you boil it down, actually, I think if I could give an overarching tip to anybody wanting to GM, here you go. Here's this tip is, one this again. Is, this is the this is the actual overarching tip. All the rules, take the entire book. Guess what? None of it matters. If you are running D and D and you just want to try something, you can build the characters. You can do all that. That's fine. But then if you don't know what AC bonus, you know, somebody behind three quarters cover gets, it doesn't matter. Things go from like, you know, difficulty 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to 20. If you just pick a number that you think is right, players aren't going to know. You, you know, you, you, they come across a goblin, you know, the difference between 12 and 13 to hit, you know, 5% difference. You know what? Right. Put a 12 in your head. If they roll a 12 or above, boom, they hit. And then just keep going. Your friends are just going to want to be there for a good story. If you have rules lawyer friends who have delved into the books and really want to play, you know, rules as written, fine. That's fine. But if you're just starting, 
when I started, and I mentioned this in the last Fireside Chat, I was just reading a book. I was just like, I didn't read the entire rule set in front of my friends. I just kind of looked and was like, okay, you know, this is what it is. Like, oh, this is a DC 15. All right, roll me, roll me, you know, make me a check. Make me a listen check. Just have a, have a little set of the skills. You know, somebody is like, okay, I want to pick this lock. Just pick something that sounds right. You know, sleight of hand is the closest thing in 5e. Be like, yeah, it's a tough lock. And, you know, they have, they have a nice little little chart. You know, easy is 5, medium is 10, or what is it? Like, yeah, very easy is 5, easy is 10, normal is 15, or whatever. Just pick a number. Um, I think that that would be the best tip I can give somebody who wants to try it. Because try it out. See if you like the style. Because not it's not for everybody. I, I think everybody should try it because most people I see play it like it. D and D or, or game well, mastering? D and uh, D playing okay. games, I guess playing I should games. say. But even running, try it. If you're if you're the person that likes to tell stories, do it. If you're not, shove a book into your friend's hand and say, "I really want to play this game. Now run it for me." <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, when you're when you're looking at tips uh, at the store at North Coast Role Playing, when I have people come in and talk, really for me, the things that I push to them are one: you're the game master. You're or better yet. Being really careful here, listen to the whole thing before you freak out about the word I say. You're God, the game operations designer. The idea being that you're setting up the world. Uh, I heard a, I heard somebody talking about antagonistic and non-antagonistic mm-hmm. game masters and, and being equal. If you're not having fun, your players are not having fun. And if you're having fun and your players are not having fun, you're still doing something wrong. So the idea is make it a mix. If you're going through and nobody is succeeding at what they're doing, they're not going to like it. it. It doesn't matter if it's realistic or fantastic or whatever you're doing. If you're not all having fun. So let's back up and let's say this. The first tip is this is supposed to be a game. You're supposed to be having fun. If everyone's having fun, Go for it. Go forward. Go. The second thing for me is is no fear. As a game master, you have to understand they're here to work with you and tell your story with you. So you have to have no fear. Uh, you don't have to worry about how they think about it, whether they like it or or, or whether you look in terms of the beginning, whether they're going to like it or not. They're going to tell you quickly they don't like it, and you're going to either change it or start something else. But be confident in what you figured out. We are we are playing a, a game right now, and in that game, the game master is is second guessing himself quite a bit. And uh, I, I've talked to him a few times afterwards, and I've said, "Hey, look, just keep doing what you're doing, and be confident in what you're doing. You know, again, your thing." You don't know if it's a 12, a 13, or a 14. Put a number on it that works. Let him do it. If you have to fudge a roll, fudge a roll. It's not cheating. It's just making the game flow. Making the game flow better. Making your play flow better. And if you're doing it right, no player is going to know if you fudge the die roll. That's very true. there, There is only one player I've had who has specifically asked me, I don't want you to ever fudge a die roll on me. <laughs> and he is the only... I think he is the only person I have never fudged a die roll on. Okay. Because he specifically asked me never to do it. Sure. Other games, I if, you know, if my players are listening, it was a good time. Yes, I may have fudged a die roll or two. Sure. Um, but, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, you don't... Uh, and, you know, that's another thing. Sometimes you set 
DCs for things and say, hey, roll the die, and you don't realize till after that die rolls, oh, shoot, if they fail this, it could seriously hamper the story. And you realize, maybe I should not have stuck a die roll on that. Not everything necessarily needs a die roll. Now, that's that's yeah. a good tip. That there is that, a That's great a tip. good tip. Not everything needs a die roll. Uh, you know, they, and I think, like... And I, I usually base a lot of it off D&D because that's a lot of what people have had me roll, role play, run for them. Um, in there, you know, I think I think in that or in some other things, you know, if something is easy, if it's like a five, don't make them roll for it. And really only make them roll for something if the success or failure of it would drastically change stuff. If somebody's going across a rope bridge and there there's no... You know, it, it doesn't matter if it breaks or not. Don't make them roll. Unless you want to scare them. Right. But, you know, I mean, like... Well, if there's piranha yeah. or, or alligators in the like, water below, great. But if all they're going to do yeah. is get wet... Yeah. You know, uh, uh, but even if there's piranha, what I would say is if they're just going there, no one's hampering them. Let them cross. You know, tell them about the piranha. Because then, when they have to go back and are being chased, that's when you make a roll. If sure. they're running across. But if they're being careful, you know, hey... You know, don't it, it sometimes slows the story down. So yeah. just I, I can tell you from my side, I there there's and I know I'm making a mistake here, so whichever of you didn't say this, I apologize, but Ken Height and Robin Laws have a fantastic podcast where they talk about all kinds of things. And one of the two of them, in one of the myriad of games that they have produced, had talked about the fact of the dice roll that a dice roll should have a purpose, exactly what you said. It doesn't even have to be a big purpose. There has to be there has to be a benefit. If the die roll doesn't change the effect of the story, whether you make it or not, all right, so you, you weren't able to open the door, so you're going to go another way, don't make them make a die roll. Choose. Well, it's locked. You're not going to be able to get in. You're going to have to break a window or something. Or choose that they're able to pick the lock. Whatever it is, the die roll should have an effect on the game. Everything doesn't need to be, and I think that's really something that happens for young game masters, young DMs, is you're going to be playing and, and you're going to think, oh God, I'm going to have them make a die roll for this, I'm going to have it for that. I, I, I can remember early on people people making decisions by die roll. What do you think your character does? Uh, hang on, let me roll a die. Why? You should know what your character's mm-hmm. doing, you don't need to have it controlled by that. So yeah, make a die roll when it has an effect within the game and, and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, nothing, I can't say nothing worse, but one of the terrible things that can happen in your story is just getting bogged down with minutia. I mean, it really is better sometimes to just, you know, especially, let's say, you know, something you're not sure on a rule. Yeah, I could spend 10 minutes looking up in the rule book, you know, hey, where where is this rule? What's a specific thing for fall damage? You know, it doesn't matter. You can you're the always, game master. Yeah, you can always look it up later, yeah. make a judgment at the time, Move on. Say, hey, you know, we'll come back to this later. I think that's good. It's that's a uh, that's a darn good tip right there. And you know, another thing, and I, I another um, this just came to my mind from another um, game master uh, channel. Um, was it Matt Coville? Great, great channel. If you're going to be a game master, I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, but he had mentioned uh, that when it comes to um, dice roll. Oh shoot! Oh no! I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I well, am I am human. I, well, I, I, I see you've you finished know, your drink, and and I'm fairly close. I, so so we can wind it yeah. here. Um, let's see. So the the tips we came up with were um, 
you're the game master. Uh, do what you want. Um, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. If you've got to look it up later, do it. But don't slow the game down if you're if you're not if there's no need to. Uh, call out a number that works for you, mm-hmm. works for everyone else. Um, don't do a sandbox unless you're ready. Um, uh, yeah. What what else would we say? Uh, um, no no plan survives the uh, party. That's true. I think that's it. I think was what we covered. I think those are yeah those are good topics. And, All right. Uh, well, so there's there's our tips for game mastering. I, I, I hope they help. Yeah, hopefully they helped, and maybe I'll eventually remember what I was even. There we thinking. go. That'll be that'll be another oh. one. All right, Pedro, it was nice talking to you tonight. Good talking to you too. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another NCRP Productions podcast. We value your support and would love to have you like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel all at NCRP Productions. You can also find our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever great podcasts are found. We value your thoughts, so please don't hesitate to leave feedback and comments. And if you want to reach any of us directly, we are available at ncrpproductions at gmail.com.